when you walk down the street. Say hello to friends you know and everyone you meet. Oh, oh, the mistletoe hung where you can see. Somebody waits for you. Yes, once for me. Have a holly jolly Christmas. And in case you didn't hear, hope by golly, have a holly jolly Christmas this year. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to The Pulse. Happy that you're all joining here tonight. Thank you for being here, and uh, happy holidays and Merry Christmas. It's uh, definitely that time of year. We're only a few days away from Christmas, and there's a lot of good things happening around here. It's great to be a part of it. Hello there. I see you guys all entering in. A lot of people online tonight. Glad to have you. All righty. So tonight's show, got a couple things to talk about. And uh, also, uh, we have our, our celebrity here. Um, Kevin Fraley is going to talk tonight. And uh, <laughs> I almost forgot. <laughs> I see you, Eileen. <laughs> Thank you for joining tonight. We're going to have a little fish talk tonight, plus I got some other things that uh, we can talk about. And uh, it's going to be a real good show. Let's see here. I had to find my peepers so I could see what's going on. All right, got some uh, announcements to get out of the way first. Uh, first of all, the uh, Christmas lights contest is still going on. Hey. Thank you for getting us on the board. You know who you are out there. And uh, we've got some Anderson peeps here. And a big shout out to them for getting us on the board. Um, it uh, was updated today. Um, we got some, uh, you know, uh, great homes to take a look at here in town. There's quite a few of them uh, when we took our ride the other night. Um, Hopefully, uh, you guys uh, get into the lights contest here. Um, voting begins on the 26th, and the contest will end on the 31st. And, uh, of course, you'll be able to win some bragging rights and a prize. Uh, if you want to get your home entered in, uh, make sure you send an email to events at denalichamber.com with a picture of your display and a location. And also, of course, there's some stuff on the Pulse page along with the Anderson page that you can also reply to that and uh, get your information out there. So a lot of holiday cheer here in Anderson and uh, a lot of love going around. So got your house lit up. Get it out there. Show some Anderson pride out there and uh, keep us on the map. Um, it's definitely cool, the uh, couple homes that we got out there. And I uh, really makes me happy to uh, see them all lit up when I drive by. 
Good evening and welcome. A few more just jump on. Going to have a full house tonight. All righty. Okay, also, um, Santa's mailbox is still out there at Denali Chamber of Commerce. Uh, You can drop a letter in Santa's mailbox outside the chamber there in Healy, or you still have time, hopefully, to maybe mail one out to Santa's mailbox at P.O. Box 437 Healy 99743. And please also remember to include a return address so Santa can get that back to you. Also, uh, don't forget uh, the Christmas Eve candlelight service is going to be at 5.30 p.m. at North Star Community Church there on the corner of Aspen. Uh, Hope to see you guys there. Um, I'm going to be there, and so is Susie, of course, and uh, just to get to see some people and uh, show some support for that. So just remember, just in the back of your head, that the Christmas Eve candlelight service is going to be at 5.30 p.m. at North Star Community Church there. And if you need any more info on that, you can also call 209-7645. All righty, we're rolling right along here. Also, a reminder, uh, the New Year's bonfire is a go this year. Um, Hope to see you guys there. I'm looking forward to it. It's a great thing to do every year. And um, show your support and come on out and be with everyone. Um, of course, uh, you can bring what you like out there to include some fireworks to shoot off and, uh, just, uh, come out and enjoy the festivities, enjoy the bonfire and enjoy the fellowship with other community members. So that is, uh, a go this year, the new year's bonfire and festivities are going to start about 1030 out there. And I hope to see you guys out there. Also, I'm going to keep pushing this. Uh, Remember, the Anderson City Council meeting does meet on the second Tuesday of the month at 6 p.m. Show your support. Know what's going on in our community and uh, definitely be a part of that if you can. And once again, that's the Anderson City Council. Uh, They do meet on the second Tuesday of the month, and it is at 6 p.m., Currently, I believe they are doing it uh, remotely, and you can find that information on the website. And also, uh, as soon as I get it there, I'll make sure and post it on the Pulse page and forward it on to the Anderson page. Also, just a reminder out there, Clear Sky Lodge is currently closed right now. Going to be closed through the 26th, so if you need something from out there, Just a reminder that they are closed through the 26th and uh, save yourself a little time. And uh, happy holidays to, uh, yeah, no taco Tuesday. Bummer big time, I know. (laughs) And a happy holidays to uh, Vicki and Matt out there at Clear Sky. And uh, thank you for everything that they do for the community. And uh, spent spent some great times out there. All right. Also, did receive some information this morning that I wanted to get out on the air. Uh, If you guys have a real low basement like I do, you may notice that uh, some water has been trickling into it. I did get the information this morning um, that uh, uh, with high temps and some ice dams right now, 
Tanana is rising along with the backup into the Ninana. Uh, currently, the Tanana, as of this morning anyway, has risen nine feet. Um, that is no joke. So it has risen nine feet. It has to do with our warming temperatures right now. And, of course, maybe a little bit of push overflow and some ice dams. So keep an eye out in your basements. Make sure that your pumps are working prob you know, properly. And um, uh, just keep an eye on that. I noticed it just the other night that uh, my pump came on and I happened to stick my head down there. And uh, my little gurgle in one of the corners had started popping up and saw some water seeping through. So like I said, uh, Tanana rose in Ninana, uh, nine feet as of this morning. And it's expected to back up into, of course, the Ninana, which is going to raise our, of course, our water table. And uh, you're going to see a little bit of water squeaking through there. So just a reminder. Check your uh, check your basements. Make sure your sumps are working properly, as to opposed to um, you know getting some flood damage there. Also, okay, uh, just got thrown out there. The borough assembly meets on the second Wednesday of the month on Zoom, and uh, everyone's welcome to join in and get your voices out there. Alrighty, I will get with you uh, after the show. I mean, I'll send you a, a message. Maybe you can send me some more information on that, and uh, we can get that on the Pulse page and the Anderson page and uh, maybe some Zoom links out there so that uh, we can get our voices heard on there. Thank you for that. All righty. Um, I was also going to throw out some of the COVID report, but I think I'll save that for a little later in the show. Uh, something has come up uh, that I wanted to get out there. Yes, thank you. I appreciate uh, the information. And anything, of course, that you guys have that needs to get out on the air, um, you're welcome to send it to me here, you know, via email at the Paulson Anderson and Ninana at gmail.com. Or also you can call or text to the Pulse live phone here. 360-207-0477. Um, also go ahead and throw that information out there right now up on the screen so that you guys have it. And um, that way, in case you want to write it down or anything, let's see here. There's the email up there on the chat box. And I will also get the Pulse phone number out there. And you're welcome to call anytime. And let's see here. And there's the direct line here to the Pulse. Like I said, I have some more stuff to talk about uh, later in the show. But I think we're going to get rolling here on Fish Talk tonight. Um, once again, uh, we've had a lot of response to that. And I know it's kind of fun. And uh, everyone's having a great time learning. Uh, I did... Uh, have a couple questions that came in that I'll throw out there on the air with Kevin once his presentation's done. And uh, once again, thank you guys for all your support here to the Pulse here in downtown Anderson as we support our community and, of course, our surrounding communities uh, that we make an effect on. All righty. Uh, let's go ahead and get things rolling here. 
Kevin, if you're uh, ready to join in, Pulse Line here is open. I have the Pulse Line open on both on the app and on the phone. And you're welcome to call in and let's get things going here. All righty, Kevin, you are live on the Pulse. Thanks for calling in tonight. Hey, Brett, can you hear me okay? I can hear you clear as a bell. Those headsets did amazing things for you, both on my side yeah. for sound and on your side. So good job on that. Maybe you want to put that out there, which ones you got. <laughs> I, I think it was just the, the cheapest one that I found at Walmart or something, you know, whatever plugs into your headphone jack. So right. it seems to be well, working good. Let me tell you, it works out good. I haven't had to do uh, uh, the first time you came on with it, with it on. Um, very minor uh, adjustments on my side and uh, it does it sounds clear as a bell so Good deal. thank you for calling tonight and uh, being a part of the show you're kind of becoming one of our celebrities here and uh, <laughs> everyone's kind of really enjoying uh, the fish talk that you do and uh, I, I have received uh, a lot of a um, uh, lot of requests for uh, things going on later in the year um, whether it's post COVID or coming into the summertime uh, for getting together with you and getting some groups together and having some fun fishing, you know, maybe some uh, uh, little info days and maybe some presentations, that sort of thing. And uh, get some kids out there fishing along with us, big kids, you know, and it's going to be a good time. I'm sure it will be, you know, excellent. Yeah. That sounds great. would definitely love to do that. So. Okay. All right, Kevin, I'm going to open the floor and let it fly here. Go to it. Thanks for calling in again and really appreciate your support here on the show. Hey, it's my pleasure. And uh, I appreciate you guys being willing to, to listen to me here. And I'm glad people are finding the fish talk stuff interesting. It's kind of nice to call in and hear what people are up to and, and share some knowledge, hopefully. Um, Definitely. All so right. yeah, um, we did a little poll on the pulse and it looked like people were interested in rainbow trout. So that's what I kind of fo was going to focus on tonight. If that sounds good. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, you guys don't have a lot of rainbow trout in your area down in Anderson there, but um, you know, a short drive can take you to either some stock lakes or down South to some, where some wild rainbow trout are. So I'll kind of talk about mm -hmm. kind of the areas they are, their biology, how to fish for them. And then some stories from, um, some fish research that I've done on them in the past. So, okay. Uh, so yeah, I'll just jump into some of the biology for rainbows. Okay. Um, so rainbow trout, they're found in Alaska, Canada, uh, Western U S and Russia where they're native. So that's where they, you know, were found before people started moving them around. Uh, but they're, they're known as one of the most um, well-traveled fish in the world, I'd say, because people have moved them and stocked them throughout the world whether it be New Zealand, Africa, South America, Europe, there you can pretty much find them anywhere now where people have transplanted them and they've taken off. They're very successful um, fish. And here in Alaska, they're native, which is good. Um, you know, they, people like to, to see them and like to see them doing well, but in some places they are a problem because they will compete with native fish where they're not native themselves. But mm -hmm. um, pretty much here we, we have just all native trout. We do have a lot of stocked um, lakes where fishing game puts uh, rainbow trout in the lakes for people to basically for people to catch, you know, put stuff in your freezer and, and kind of take some uh, pressure off of the, the wild trout. So I'll talk a little more about that too. Um, 
So the rainbow trout, they only live for about 11 years. You know, we were talking about grayling and burbot um, that can live for decades, you know, right. you know, 20, 30 years or more. And so rainbow trout have a little bit of a shorter lifespan. They're kind of a more of a flash in the pan fish. They're, they're um, I guess, very energetic. Uh, they live life to the fullest, I'd say, as, a, as fish go, whereas grayling and burbot are a little more sedentary and, and slow and not quite as... Um, dynamic so maybe you know all their crazy living shortens their lifespan i don't know but they only live about 11 years or so and um they so rainbow trout are, and steelhead are actually the same species of fish but so steelhead um are the kind of the group of rainbow trout that go out to sea like a salmon and so they they'll kind of um you know spawn in in fresh water like a regular rainbow trout but then the juveniles after a couple of years um, being in freshwater they swim out to the ocean and they feed out there and get really big. Um, and I won't talk too much about steelhead cause that could be kind of its own presentation. Their, their biology is really unique. Um, you know, how often they go out to sea, what they eat out there and, you know, and then how they survive to go back out to sea again, unlike salmon, which as you guys know, um, they'll, they'll die after spawning. So that's the difference there, but we'll just kind of focus on the freshwater rainbow okay. trout um, for tonight. So, uh, the rainbow trout spawn in the springtime, um, and they don't always spawn every year. It kind of depends on what good uh, or what kind of condition they're in. If they've had a good winter and they're not too, um, you know, they're not too starving or anything, they can spawn. And uh, they start spawning at about age two or three. And um, for their food, they like to eat aquatic and terrestrial insects, so stuff like stoneflies, mayflies, or anything um, bug-like that falls into the water from. Uh, from the terrestrial environment and sometimes they can even eat um, small mice or, or uh, yeah small fish or mice which is pretty crazy that doesn't happen happen too often but some of the really big trout will do that like for example there was uh, a 19 inch rainbow trout caught in the togiak wildlife refuge um, they opened it up and it had 20 shrews in its belly so that was pretty, pretty oh, wow. crazy there's a there's a picture online of you know the, the fish opened up with all those shrews so Obviously, yeah. they'll they'll kind of take whatever they can get if they, they find a good food source. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to the grayling, like I was talking about last time, rainbow trout like to hang out near where spawning salmon are, um, and they'll pick off the eggs of the spawning salmon and the flesh, and even the juvenile salmon as they out-migrate in the spring. So that's a good food source for them too, and, and usually rainbow trout that are around um, areas where their spawning salmon grow bigger than those that are you know don't have that resource. Right. So uh, the resident rainbow trout, the freshwater rainbow trout, can be migratory, and they can swim pretty good distances to either spawn or to find food. Um, like, for example, fish in the Susitna River down south, um, they can swim, you know, bet- about 100 miles between different habitats, you know, um, usually overwintering habitats and then their spawning habitats. So they can move around pretty good, kind of following the food or finding good places to, to spawn, finding other trout to spawn with. Okay. Um, and rainbow trout, you know, for those of you who've caught them, you know that they're probably one of our most popular sport fish to fish for, I guess maybe behind salmon, but, um, they're, they're really good fighters and they're very beautiful. You know, they've got that, right. um, obviously, you know, their namesake, the multicolored uh, silvery sides with black spots. And, um, they're known for their leaps out of the water. If you hook them they they'll, you know, swim around furiously, they'll jump up in the air. So it's a very exciting fight if you catch one. And also, unlike grayling, they can be a little bit difficult to catch because they're a little bit more selective. Yeah, uh, just a little, a little bit. bit. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and they and they get wary too if they've been caught multiple times um, they'll they'll start to learn and, and they won't be as willing to bite unlike grayling that typically will just you know not learn at all and continue to bite whatever comes their way so right so you know so they're popular because they're such good fighters they're really beautiful um, they're a native fish people like to catch native fish and also they can be a challenge so that, those are kind of the reasons why they're they're some of the most popular uh, fish to go after in Alaska. Um, and they're, you know, they're well distributed around the state too. So like pretty much everywhere in Alaska, south of the Alaska range, um, rainbow trout are native to the rivers and lakes there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, north of the Alaska range, almost every uh, stocked lake, the fish and game does, and they stock, you know, dozens of lakes has rainbow trout in them. So uh, you can pretty much find them similar to grayling almost anywhere in the state. Um, and yeah, people, so a lot of people catch and release for them, especially the wild stock so that they don't, um, don't get overfished, but people do like to eat rainbow trout. They're pretty tasty. They taste, you know, similar to salmon and those stock lakes are a great place to, to catch and keep a lot of, of trout. Cause that's kind of what they're designed for. So, right. so people will go to, you know, Birch Lake or Chena lakes or, um, one of those stocked lakes and they can bring home quite a bit of, of nice rainbow trout for the, for the dinner table. Um, and yeah, and then, so fishing game kind of manages different rainbow trout, um, fishing areas based on whether the, the fish are wild there or if they're stocked and they let people keep more fish in areas where they're stocked. And then they, you know, try to keep things like catch and release or just harvesting a few in areas where they're wild and a little bit more vulnerable to, to harvest. Um, so for anybody who's interested, the, the state record rainbow trout is 42 pounds, which was actually a steelhead, but the fishing game uh, grouped them in together, uh, steelhead and rainbow trout. And it was caught, I believe, in saltwater way down near Hyder, which if anybody knows where that is, it's kind of, Hyder is this little town that you can only access from Canada, basically. You have to, um, you can come in from the, the Alcan Highway to access Hyder, and it's pretty isolated down there, real far down in southeast That's Alaska. That's a monster. <laughs> yeah, for, that's that's crazy. Yeah, it's huge. Um, it's like a king salmon sized steelhead. So yeah. that was caught back in the 1970s too. So who knows what was going on back then? And maybe it was a king salmon that just got misidentified. But that's right. that's what fishing game has on there is their their record at the moment. And I I pretty I doubt anybody's going to beat that. But you never know. Yeah. Um. And the world record isn't much bigger. So the state record is 42 pounds. The world record is 48 pounds. And that was caught in Saskatchewan. So that wasn't a steelhead. That was a uh, probably a, a rainbow trout that lived in a lake, I believe. And they can get pretty big in lakes too, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So those are the, the state and world records. And then for, um, for fish and game, you can get, uh, you know, like I mentioned with bourbon and grayling, you can get a trophy certificate. Okay. Uh, so if you catch a catch and keep a rainbow trout, that's 15 pounds or larger, uh, mm-hmm. you can get a trophy certificate to put up on your wall that you can you know brag about your, your fish catch. So you just bring in your fish to fish and game and they'll weigh it and, and give you the certificate. And then if you don't want to keep a fish, if you don't want to kill it, um, you can get a catch and release certificate, trophy certificate. And for that, you need a fish that's 32 inches or larger, which is a, a very large rainbow. That's a big uh, rainbow. Yeah. It'd be easier to get for a steelhead because, you know, a really large steelhead is 40 inches. You catch quite a few in the 30 to 35 inch range. So I think it'd be much easier to get a catch and release certificate for a steelhead. But um, that would be a very large, like a Kenai. Kenai River is known for really large rainbows. You could get one that's 32 inches or bigger there. Uh, where I fish a lot of times in the Susitna and Chalitna, they don't they very, very rarely get that big. So, yeah. 
and then they never get that big of course in our stocked waters around Fairbanks they seem to kind of die off after a couple of years and they only get maybe to 20 inches or less so oh okay okay so that's a bit about the biology I don't know if there's any questions on that or if, if you want me to elaborate on anything I'd be happy to I just had one on the side here that uh, just came in on the pulse line here um, are they a stocked fish here in Alaska and what are the most places that they're stocked? You know, where are they? Yeah. Yeah. They are one of the most popular fish to be stocked. So the, like the Fairbanks and Anchorage hatcheries produce a lot of uh, rainbow trout that they stock. And like I mentioned, there's, um, you know, South of the Alaska range is where the wild fish are. So those areas aren't typically stocked. There's some ponds that are stocked there. Those are all wild fish. And then North of the Alaska range is, those are all stocked fish. Um, so any lake, you know, around Fairbanks or Delta Junction or um, even Nenana or Healy, you know, like Otto Lake or the Nenana City Pond, those rainbow trout are all stocked. Yeah, a matter of yeah. fact, uh, that you brought that up, I've actually seen them stock the pond there just south of Nenana there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad they don't do it right before winter because then people could ice fish for them there. But I, um, I was looking at the, the uh, stocking records and it looks like they – stocked the Ninana City Pond and Otto Lake in May and June of this year. They put about 2,000 rainbow trout in each one. Um, but, you know, by the end of the summer, some of them have died off and some of them have, have been caught and kept by people. So this time of year, I don't know if there'd be probably none in the Ninana City Pond because that if that's just the one right by the highway, like I think it is, I don't think they would live very long in there. It's not very... Um, yeah, that's the one the that... The water kind of gets stagnant, you know? Yeah. Okay. Auto Lake, they could still be in that. You could probably ice fish for them. There'd still be some, you know, down near Healy. But um, yeah, so they put a fair bit in there. And then um, I'm not sure if you guys know where Dune Lake is, but that's kind of uh, south of Ninana. You have to fly out to it. It's out near like the Kantishna River. And for some reason, fishing game likes stocking this lake. Um, you know, there's a lot of private cabins and stuff out there. So maybe the landowners have right. asked fishing game to do that. But they, I guess they put 10,000 rainbow trout there in uh, May of 2019. So there would be still a lot of them out there as well. If you know anybody flies out there, I, I don't think you can snowmobile out there, but maybe. Um, but that's not too far from you guys as well. And the thing to mention about these stocked fish too is the, the hatcheries um, treat the eggs when they're, when they're little so that when the fish grows up, it's not able to reproduce because uh, fishing game doesn't want these rainbow trout that they're putting in by the thousands to start out competing, you know, get, getting out of the lakes they put them in into rivers or if somebody moved them somewhere, they don't want them to then start their own breeding populations and out compete grayling or char or, you know, the native fish. Right. Um, so they're called triploid fish. They genetically modify those eggs when they're little using heat, uh, heat treatment in the hatchery. And so um, all the fish that fish and game stocks, all the rainbow trout are sterile that they, they can't reproduce. Okay. Uh, forgot to mention that. Uh, so yeah um and for the the stocked waters places where i'll just get into the some of the rainbow trout fishing regulations now it's real easy for um up north of the alaska range where we are for the stocked lakes mm -hmm. uh, you can keep 10 fish per day and one of those can be over 18 inches and you're allowed to use bait and treble hooks which is great because yeah. you know a lot, as we talked about with grayling and bourbon there's not a lot of places where you can use treble hooks um, and it's hard to use bait for grayling. So, so that makes it nice. That makes it easier for kids to catch them and for people to get their limit um, and get and bring a bunch of fish home, which is kind of the idea behind it. Um, so, so yeah, if, you know, if you were fishing then in Ninana City Pond, Otto Lake, Birch Lake, um, you know, near Fairbanks, you could keep 10 per day. 
and use bait. So that's pretty nice. Okay. Um, for for regulations, I was thinking, you know, down south, more the closest to you guys would be the Chalitna and Sasitna drainage. Um, and so there's, you know, like like we've talked about earlier, those regulations are pretty t uh, tough to interpret. Almost every creek has its own specific regulations for things. So um, I'll just kind of report the broad um, regulations for the Chalitna and Sasitna. And then if, if you're going to fish down there, anytime you go to a specific creek, check those regulations and make sure um, to see what it says for that creek because it could be different. <clears throat> but uh, kind of generally, the regulations for rainbow on the Chalitna and Sasitna um, streams are uh, you, you basically are not allowed to fish for them from April 15th to June 14th because that's their spawning period. So they're protecting the fish while they're on their spawning beds during that time. Uh, and that's pretty much throughout uh, you know, any river that you would find along the Parks Highway um, south of Cantwell. That's the regulation um, okay. all the way until you get to Anchorage. And you can keep, in most streams, you can keep two rainbow trout per day, only one over 20 inches. So that's um, that's a pretty low bag limit. They're trying to kind of minimize harvest on those wild fish. Right. And then on top of that, you can only keep two fish per year over 20 inches. And that includes the Kenai River and any stream in the, like the Cook Inlet drainage, any stream you might cross from the uh, <clears throat> from Cantwell to Anchorage on the Parks Highway or anywhere that anything that flows into the Cook Inlet. So you can only keep two rainbow over 20 inches the whole year from any of those streams. Mm -hmm. um, so okay. they're really trying to make sure people don't harvest those those trophy fish that are the most important for reproduction and for making sure that the populations don't get uh, harmed, basically. Yeah. Um, and then outside of the, the spawning closure, uh, from like July 14th, um, to August 31st, bait is allowed. Otherwise, um, you can use multiple unbaited hooks. So you could use treble hooks like on a spinner or something. Right. Or bait on a single hook. The good um, old that rooster is... tail. <laughs> What's that? The good old rooster tail. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but And that's like kind of the general regulation for Chalitna and Susitna. But if you, you would definitely still want to check you know, say you're going to Montana Creek or something, you'd want to check Montana Creek and the regulations and make sure that actually does apply there. Mm -hmm. So, so those are, yeah, some general regulations and, you know, you know, some other closer or a close uh, places where you can fish for rainbow, like the uh, Golcana drainage or even the Kenai, th those are all going to have widely varying regulations and you'll want to check the regulations. You almost, like I said, have to be a lawyer to, to read through some of those if you don't fish them regularly. Yeah. I've pulled a lot of stuff on the site, you know, looking through the regulations and yeah, good thing to definitely have on you when you do go out fishing or hunting, that's for sure. Because, and of course everything changes on a yearly basis that you may miss. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. The, they update the regulations. Usually they like to highlight those like in a different color. I'll put um, new regulations in red or change regulations, but not always. And I found it's, you know, I'm a fisheries biologist and an avid fisherman, and sometimes I can barely figure out what I can and can't do. So right. that says something about how difficult it is. Um, but, you know, definitely read it over and, and make sure you're, you're legal. Um, and, it, and it doesn't hurt to, like, ask a state trooper or call the fishing game office, too, and say, hey, you know, how do you enforce this? I've definitely done that before um, to get a clear idea so that you don't get a ticket because those tickets can be expensive, oh, you know, over a hundred bucks. And then they go on your, your court view record and everything. So you don't want one of those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So those are some of the regulations. Um, and then I'll just go into some kind of general ideas about, um, good techniques to catch some rainbow trout for those that want to get out there and go after them. 
And there's a bunch of different approaches depending on where you're fishing them. Like, are, are you going to ice fish them in one of our stocked lakes? Are you going to go out and fish for wild fish on a river? Um, but kind of generally, you can spin fish, fly fish, or ice fish for them. And most of the time, small jigs, uh, spoons, spinners uh, are, work well. It, areas where you can use bait, you can use roe or the little um, kind of pink shrimp you could buy at, at Sportsman's Warehouse. That usually works well for them. And put a little excuse me, put a little weight on that and let it um, float under a float or something. And then you can tell when you get a bite, if the float goes underwater um, or just if you're jigging um, in a river or a lake, you kind of just feel for a bite. And um, occasionally, you know, if you're, if you're fly fishing, you want to use wet flies or beads, which beads simulate uh, a salmon egg. And so right. you would use beads uh, when salmon are spawning in the river. And that can get very, very technical. Like uh, fishermen will have these boxes of beads of different colors and different sizes. And it can depend on what species of salmon is spawning and how long the eggs have been in the water as to how big of bead or how, what color of bead they choose. So people get a little bit, um, you know, maybe more detail than they need to on that sort of thing. Like they're probably out thinking or overthinking the fish. But, uh, but sometimes, you know, if you switch your bead size or, or you go to a different color, it does produce more fish. Right. So it can get pretty technical that way. Like if you get down towards Montana Creek or any of the Anchorage area creeks, um, you really have to kind of dive into your fly box or, or try different things to, to get them to bite. Um, if you get very lucky, you can sometimes catch rainbows on uh, mice flies or even or other dry flies. That's pretty, uh, pretty uncommon. But, you know, that's, there's not really a cooler way to catch a big rainbow is, is on the, the surface of the water if you're fly fishing. So if, if it ever happens, it's or if you see a fish jumping or, or rising, it's worth a worth a shot with those sort of flies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in a river, you want to kind of fish uh, deep pools or areas with large uh, amounts of woody debris. They really like logs and sticks in the water and, and that sort of thing. They like to hide up underneath that. So you kind of run your your jig or your bait or your fly near the edge of the of the woody stuff. You don't want to get in there because then you get snagged and break off and lose all your gear but you want to kind of put it on the edge of that, that woody stuff and get it down deep with a little bit of weight. And usually the rainbows will come out. They'll see it while they're in the, the woody debris and they'll, they'll shoot out and grab it. And that's when you can get them. Um, it gets easier if you're fishing with the beads and, and the salmon spawning. Um, for that, you just look for spawning salmon groups, mostly like rainbow trout like king salmon the best because they have the biggest eggs and there's usually fewer king salmon um, so that they don't get kind of bullied by the salmon if they, if they uh, come in to eat the eggs or the flesh. So you just kind of fish your bead through the king salmon that are spawning there. They won't bite it most of the time, and then you let it drift down below them. And usually the rainbows are hanging out just below, just downstream of those salmon. And usually you can't see them. They're, they blend in so well compared to the big bright red salmon. Uh, right. but they'll be in there because, you know, if you're using a bead, typically you have a little indicator or a bobber. And it, it'll go down hard if they, if they take the bead. And they, they really fight hard and, and jump hard if they're, um, you know, eating salmon eggs, they're going to be really strong and, and full of energy. So okay. that's my favorite way to get them because it's a little easier. It, it get, you know, it's a little less, I guess, less, uh, the fish are more concentrated. The rainbows are going to be all around in one area rather than kind of spread out. And you don't have to cover a lot of miles of a river. They're all going to be near those, those spawning salmon. So that makes things a little easier. Right. Um, but it gets really competitive, especially down in, in South Central Alaska. You'll You'll get, you know, multiple people trying to take the best spots and, and, you know, encroaching on your areas and the fish will get smarter and smarter as the summer goes on. So it's, it can be, it can be pretty challenging. Some people love it. Some people hate it, right? Like 
you yeah. know, some people yeah. love the challenge of it, um, and other people hate it and they want to go fish for grayling all day where they can catch as many as they want, you know? So yeah. it just depends yeah. on what your mindset is and what you're looking for. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the, the tips there. Um, I haven't done much, much spin fishing for, for rainbow, so I can't really give a lot of advice there, but just that spinners and jigs are used and sometimes right. row and, and just kind of drifting them or jigging them along. Um, and you know, if you're going to catch and release your rainbow trout, just like we talked about with the grayling, you're going to want to have little pliers to pull the hook out so that you don't keep the fish out of the water too long. So it's not um, kind of being detrimental to the fish and going to make it more likely that it won't survive. You want to try to keep the fish in the water as much as you can keep your hands wet. So you're not removing the slime on the fish, which is what protects them from infections and from parasites. And sometimes, um, especially if you have to catch and release a fish, if you're in an area where you're not allowed to keep a fish, you just have to cut your line and leave the hook in the fish. And, and studies have shown that that hook will either rust out or work itself out. And in a lot of cases, those fish will survive. So those are some of the catch and release tips. And rainbows are so strong and, um, and pull so hard that it's always good to have a net when you're fishing for them. And if you have a net, you want to have like the soft rubber mesh in the net, not the really kind of sharp twine like uh, mesh because that'll hurt them that'll scrape away their scales and and slime so if you can get one of those nice rubber mesh nets that's the way to go okay so that's kind of uh tips about fishing i don't know if there's any questions about uh, fishing techniques or places to go or anything i'd be happy to field those before i just um, yeah. run through a little bit of the research that i've done on rainbow trout okay uh any questions out there looks like Susie threw out there that she caught one down in the key nine oh seven very nice. They get big down there. Yeah, they definitely do. Any questions we got out there for Kevin right now on the stuff that we've covered? Um, you can uh, go ahead and uh, big one, 38 inches. Oh, wow. That's really nice. That's like uh, steelhead size. Yeah. And, uh, okay, I'm going to be looking for the picture on that one, Susie, just to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, any other questions for Kevin while we got him on the line here uh, for uh, the stuff that he's covered? So, oh, you got pictures. Okay. There we go. So you guess what's going to get pictures of a fish oh, like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a big fish. <laughs> like I've said before in previous shows, you know, I've always been a saltwater fisherman and just played around, you know, in the, in the, uh, you know, our, our general, you know, clear water stuff. And I've always had a lot of fun, you know, especially, uh, growing up, uh, uh, trout fishing is not exactly the easiest thing in the world to master. Uh, my grandfather of course was a, was a master at trout fishing and it didn't matter, you know, if we were on the shore or trolling behind a boat, it always filled up one way or the other, you know, nice. but, uh, I was never any good at the old trout scenario. I'd catch some every now and then. All righty. Any other questions we got out there about uh, that before we move on a little bit more? I guess I forgot to mention, too, some ice fishing tips. I didn't talk about that at all, but that's pretty easy. Throw Basically, you just yeah, so you just kind of find if you're fishing, let's say, Birch Lake, you find you drill some holes and then you find the kind of the weed line where it drops off a little bit and the fish like to hang out right by that weed line. Cause that's where their okay. prey insects and little fish are going to come out and they can try to ambush them. 
So you kind of go just on the edge of the weed line and basically put a small jig down near the bottom with a little bit of weight and then bait it with shrimp or something like that. You can try different size jigs and um, all you do is, I mean, it's pretty easy. You stare down the hole and move the, the fishing rod up and down. <laughs> they'll, they'll usually bite those stocked fish are not picky at all. You know, if they see the, the jig, they're definitely going to hit it. So, Okay. Good deal. Yeah. Any other questions we got out there? All right. It's actually quiet out there on the questions tonight. I'm sure I'll get a few more. There was, uh, you got more stuff on the rainbow trout. I'm sure you're going to throw out right now. And yeah, I'll talk a little bit about uh, some research that I did, if that's all right, and then yep. wrap it up. Go for it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so um, rainbow trout are pretty near and dear to my heart because I did my master's research uh, at UAF on rainbow trout, and I had a pretty cool project. Um, so what, what I did was I uh, was fly fishing and then uh, radio tagging rainbow trout on Willow Creek in the Susitna drainage and then tracking them to see what kind of habitats they used, how far they traveled, what they did over different seasons. So it was a pretty sweet project to get paid for, um, you know, on the, on the master's project and to, and to study. Um, and so basically what we did is our, our first summer, we went out and we fly fished out of the raft and on foot, uh, mostly using the, you know, the beads um, to simulate the salmon eggs. Right. And once we'd get a, uh, a trout that was over 16 inches in length, we'd implant this uh, tag in them. It's kind of a little resin tag with a wire tail on it. And this tag basically broadcasts a symbol or a, a signal, sorry, that identifies um, what the the tag or the tag number. And you can cut a little a little hole in the fish's belly and implant the tag, and then suture it up, put a little bit of uh, surgical glue on there, and then let the fish uh, go. And of course, it's we use uh, fish anesthetic to kind of calm them down so they're not flailing all over the place and injuring themselves and then keep um, kind of fresh water flowing through their, their gills while this is happening. But we tagged about, I guess it was 80 fish over uh, two summers. And so we would then let them go where we caught them in Willow Creek down on the Susitna drainage. And after that, we had a, um, a tracking device that would, and an antenna. And we'd either every week go out on, on a raft or by foot and see what kind of habitats those fish were in, how far they moved. Um, and then in the winter, I got to go up in a plane uh, every month and kind of do a whole survey of the Susitna drainage and see where they were hanging out, you know, when the ice was covering the rivers and everything. And yeah. that was pretty cool. And uh, there was a guy out of Cantwell, actually, that, that we flew with, um, Lance Williams. His, uh, he's got a great name for his uh, his flight service, Wing and a Prayer Aviation. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Alaska. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, he's a he was a great pilot, and so I would drive down to Cantwell once a month, and then we would he would fly me, you know, down the Chalitna, down into the Susitna drainage, and then I would track my fish during the winter. In the summer, we would just do everything by foot, basically, and or by raft. And so myself and my technician would be down there pretty much every week over the summer for three days every every week, and then we'd drive back to Fairbanks um, for the remainder of the week to you know kind of regroup and get stuff ready and, and do data analysis and that sort of thing. But it was a pretty right. great way to spend a couple summers, you know, just rafting and fly fishing pretty much for yeah. two summers. So, um, and then, you know, we got some great research out of it as well. Um, Cause this was right around the time uh, back in 2015 when they were thinking about the Susitna dam again. So it was important to figure out what kind of habitats those rainbows were using. Were they going to be affected much by the dam if it went in? Right. Um, okay. So, yeah, and then we also, for the project, jumped into dry suits and snorkeled and counted rainbow trout and looked at what they were up to in their habitats. Um, 
And there's, I posted quite a few pictures on the page of some of our activities um, on our research, you know, our different snorkeling surveys, um, how we were tagging the fish, how we were tracking them. So definitely check that out on the Pulse Facebook if you, okay. if you want to see how, some of how it was done or let me know, you know, give me a message if you want more specifics. But um, yeah. yeah, so basically, you know, you could hear this signal in your, in your headphones and you would move the antenna around to figure out which um, pool or which riffle the fish was in. And what we found was that the fish um, were overwintering out in the Susitna River. So typically, you know, in the summer, they're in the Clearwater tributaries like Montana Creek, Willow Creek, um, yeah. anything yeah. that's not going to be all silty because it, if it was, they couldn't see anything and they wouldn't be able to eat anything, you know. So they're in those Clearwater tributaries, especially when the salmon are spawning. But in the winter, those um, the, like the Susitna River, or the Chilitna River, they clear up because the glaciers are melting less. So there's less silt in the water. And so yeah. for whatever reason, the rainbows like to go out into those bigger rivers and spend time in these deep pools. I don't think they eat much. They probably just kind of conserve energy and hang right. out there. Um, and then in the spring, they go back into their clear water rivers and they go up high into those rivers to kind of smaller, um, you know, really clear streams with good gravel where they dig uh, what's called a red or their spawning bed. And then pairs of fish will, will spawn and, 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 and drop those eggs in there um, for during a couple week period in May usually. April, yeah. pretty much April through June, they might be doing that. Then they drop back down into the rivers and they kind of hang out till the king salmon start showing up, um, which is usually early July. Time. <laughs> What's that? Feeding time. <laughs> yeah, then it's gluttony time for them. They, you know, right. glom on to, they go right where those king salmon go and just hang out with them. Uh, and, you know, like I've caught rainbow trout behind those king salmon where when you bring them in, they're puking up eggs. They're so full that they can, can't even, you know, eat one more egg, yet they're hitting the bead. So they're pretty greedy little guys. Um, I think, you know, they, a lot of their whole year's uh, energy storage comes from just that couple month period when those salmon are there, they're just gorging themselves, building up all this fat reserves that'll get them through the winter. So they don't have to do much in the winter. They just kind of chill out um, when there's not much food around. So they don't expend energy. So, yeah. So they follow those King salmon when the King salmon get in there and then, you know, around probably August, the last of the King salmon have kind of died off and they're not, you know, they might be picking off some flesh or that sort of thing. Then they move over to usually chum or sockeye, um, depending on what's coming into each river. They'll move on to the other species that have smaller eggs, but still, uh, you know, it's still a lot of good food for those rainbows to eat. Right. But it seems like the salmon they really don't like are pink salmon because those pinks are pretty aggressive. They've got those big teeth and there's yeah. a ton of them. And so they seem to, my research found that they kind of stayed away from um, lower parts of the river where there was these giant gangs of pink salmon that would be probably bullying them around, biting them and that sort of thing. So they definitely didn't like the pink salmon much. Um, okay. uh, we found that, uh, you know, they moved around a little bit from, from tributary to tributary. So like a Willow Creek fish might go over to little Willow Creek or a Montana Creek fish might go to, um, you know, sheep Creek. They move, kind of move right. uh, maybe like, 70, I think about 70% of fish stay in the tributary, stay in the tributaries that we caught them in. And then the other percentage, especially during spawning time, they would go on like a, a migration to those other tributaries, you know, kind of look around and I guess look for greener pastures or whatever. But, um, right. Follow and the then during food. the, well, the spawning time, there isn't any food. So they're trying to find right. mates, you know, so I think they, you know, maybe there was too many fish on the spawning beds in their tributary where we caught them. So they just took a chance and, tried a different tributary or something that I'm just trying to anthropomorphize the fish, but um, 
And then uh, during the, the rest of the season, there was about 70 to 100% of the time they would stay in their, their tributary where we caught them um, because of just how much food was in there at that time. And that's what they were focusing on. And we found, so we looked at um, whether a fish was male or female, and we kind of analyzed whether they did anything different, like if they moved different uh, distances or if they used different habitats. We didn't right. find um, really anything there. The males and females kind of seemed to do the same thing. Maybe the, the females were less likely to spawn every year. The males would spawn more frequently. Um, I think that's because it takes more energy for the females to produce a bunch of eggs um, compared to males to produce their their stuff. So the, the females you know, have more energy invested, and so they don't spawn every year. Um, and... Yeah, the, so the trout liked, they also kind of chose bigger, deeper pools, you know, so they could get away from predators. Uh, we did find something pretty surprising. There was, uh, depending on the tributary, there was 10 to 50% of the fish that had hooking scars. So that's when fish have been caught so many times by anglers that they have deformities of their mouth uh, or missing eyes or something like that. You know, they, they look kind of pretty ragged sometimes if they've been caught a whole bunch. And so particularly in like Montana Creek and Willow Creek, um, the, uh, the rainbow trout there, they're, they're the ones that get fished for the most. They had really high incidences of hooking scars. So that was a uh, quite an interesting, interesting thing. We even found <clears throat> one fish that had a scar so big in its throat, it almost looked like if it tried to eat an egg, um, it would just go in its mouth and out the little hole in the throat. So, All through. yeah, um, but, but that fish was super fat and healthy too. So it's just crazy what they, you know, some of the beatings that they take, but there's so much food there that they, they can still right. stay really healthy. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, uh, a lot about the master's project. It was, you know, a really cool, um, project to do, especially, you know, kind of as a, uh, for like a learning as a scientist, you know, I was um, still in school then. So it was a great way to kind of cut my teeth on field work and learn a lot about how to tag and track fish and, um, how fish, you know, behaved and where they moved. So it was just a great experience to do that. And I think we got a lot of good information out of there that, you know, would inform things if that dam went forward or, you know, um, right. especially the hooking scar information was interesting to fish in game you know, yeah. to, when they think about how much fishing pressure is there and, and the effects of not just harvest, but also that fishing pressure on the stress and mortality of the fish. Yeah. So there's some, some pretty interesting, <clears throat> one fun thing was we, we heard one of our fish was, it was being super loud. Like we could hear it almost a mile away. So we're like, what's going on? We kept wandering around trying to find it. And I, I was like standing under this tree where it was loudest. And all of a sudden I just had this idea. I looked up and there was an Eagle's nest <laughs> and oh. I, uh, <laughs> I pointed the antenna, you know, up at the nest and there was that tag just sitting up there, you know, Fish that's why it was, <clears throat> yeah, that's why it was so loud. It, it was uh, way up high. You know, you could hear it from almost a mile away. Unlike those other tags were in the water and the fish right. weren't broadcasting as loudly. So that was pretty surprising. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, definitely. Yeah, we also had a few other little mysteries. Like one week, uh, we ta or we tracked a fish from the air that was in Little Willow Creek, which is just north of Willow Creek. And then just a week later, we got a mortality signal, which means the fish hasn't moved at all in 24 hours. And it was over in a tributary of Willow Creek, like quite a ways away. We just found the bear tag on the ground. So we don't know if an eagle got it and, and tore the tag out of there or if a, maybe an angler caught it and poached it. Who knows? But there were some little mysteries like that that just kept things interesting. Yeah. yeah, all in all, it was quite, quite interesting to see what those fish get up to. And, and the snorkeling was great, too, because you could get in to the habitat with those fish and see see them and see what they were up to. Yeah. Um, so 
So yeah, that's my kind of my my story when it comes to rainbow trout. They're probably one of my favorite fish because of how I've studied them and how fun they are to catch. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. That's uh, good info. I'm sure everyone's enjoyed that uh, feel on there. Um, we got any questions out there for Kevin since we got him on the line? I do see one question out there that we can get to after the uh, the rainbow trout here. Any questions, you're more than welcome to throw them up there on the chat line. Um, you can also call in if you like uh, using the app or the pulse line. Usually most of the questions come after we've talked about it, Kevin, that I've noticed. <laughs> well, feel free to forward them on to me and I'm happy. To I will do that. Answer. I will do that from now on. Um, one question up there that uh, someone threw, they were talking about uh, fishing for pike up there. Um, and they wanted to know what is the best bait with all your time working in the fisheries and this and that, that you recommend for pike fishing. That's a good question. Maybe we should do that a pike talk for next week's fish talk. But um, I've found that uh, pike seem to hit best on whitefish. So I will buy uh, whitefish from Sportsman's Warehouse. They have bags of them there. Or in the mm -hmm. past, uh, I've speared whitefish on the Chattanooga River. Um, and pike just seem to love those fish. They're, they've got a lot of oils, and you know they're they're present in the pike's natural habitat. So I think they like them uh, because of that. But you know, a lot of you know, a lot of people use herring because they're cheaper and, and really easy to to get anywhere. Those will right. work. Um, people will even use hot dogs. Like some people swear by hot dogs for pike bait. Well, even so, you <laughs> you've used hot dogs. I mean, I've heard your stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, for pike, <laughs> for pike, basically anything smelly because they've got such a good sense of smell, and anything that looks lifelike because they're also very visual predators. So herring are good because they do look like a live, full, fully formed fish, right? Whereas, like if you're chopping up whitefish or lamprey or or hot dogs they don't really look like prey probably so okay. um so there's you know a couple you can try a couple different things but i've always had the best luck with whitefish okay good answer there you go yeah he uh did post uh, up there that he got them on squid but um oh yeah i've uh, never tried squid i just because you know the fisheries biologist in me is like why would a pike eat a squid they would never see one naturally you know but they'll eat anything smelly and answer. salty probably yeah, I never even thought about that. So for your question for the pike, shoot for whitefish. Yeah. Good shot and uh, see how it does. And it looks like, uh, yeah, we were talking about um, uh, the rainbow trout earlier. And uh, Susie threw up there that she caught hers, that big one, on eggs. I would imagine they were salmon eggs um, that she used. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's a dynamite way to get them, you know, that's – that's what they're going after. So you're pretty much matching the hatch there, I guess you could say. Right. Okay. Here's another question that just came in here on the side, on the pulse line side. Um, as I talked about, I, I know you were on, uh, you know, with our river rising uh, so hard right now. Uh, I don't know if you heard me talk about it earlier, but yeah. like Danana in Inanna, as of this morning, rose nine feet. That's crazy. Already, uh, which is crazy and of course it's going to make some uh make some waves no pun intended into the <laughs> nana where we're at which i've already been seeing as of course because i'm starting to get my my little sea poles down in my basement uh 
actually my dugout area and seeing the water rise pretty quick and it's already coming in. And a question they got here is what kind of, uh, you know, with that high, you know, rising of the river, is it uh, going to make any detrimental changes to the fishing of, uh, of burbot and grayling this time of year? Other than yeah. I think of as just the silt in the water from it pushing, you know? Right. Yeah. Pretty much any time the water rises, it makes it tougher to fish because the fish are, you know, diluted more. If there's more volume of water, they're going to be spread out more most of the time. Um, right. Also, oftentimes, like you said, if the water is rising, it's silty. Mm -hmm. It's higher velocity. So the fish might be hunkering down. They might not be in the usual areas where you'd find them because there might be too much silt or, um, or too much current. But but, you know, if it's not a really, really extreme event, like if it maybe in this event um, you guys are talking about, it's, it's risen some, but maybe it's not that, uh, the, not silt, too silty or anything, it might actually trigger them to move um, maybe into a slough or, or to try to get out of the area or get somewhere they can, they can uh, kind of get refuge. So right. it's hard to, hard to say what they might do, but I think most of the time they're, they dart off into a slough or something and, and just hunker down while the, the river's high and dirty. Yeah. Okay. Good answer. That's another thing. Uh, ice safety right now. Be very careful out there. Um, there is overflow out there. I did see some today uh, out in our area. And also, remember, our temps are rising huge amounts right now. So we're starting to get a little melt off. Um, even currently here, we're sitting at 25 degrees in downtown Anderson. Um, oh. was in Fairbanks today and I hit one spot to where it was like 37 degrees, um, down there in Fairbanks or up there in Fairbanks, I should say, you know, and seeing it spotty all over right now with our temps, um, definitely a good time to manage ice safety. If you're out there fishing, uh, especially if you know where open water is, um, you know, be careful out on your sleds out there. Um, I, for one, you know, I know my area very well and pretty much know where it's at. But uh, if you're in unfamiliar territory, please be safe out there. Um, we don't need to lose anyone from someone falling through the ice. And uh, um, it's it's making, we are, we are seeing, well, our old saying here in Alaska, it's pretty much everywhere, even Colorado. Uh, you know what you don't know what the weather is just wait five minutes it'll change and uh, <laughs> we're definitely see some changes right now so yeah hopefully it'll cool back down it looks like it will in the forecast but that's pretty odd to see you know above freezing like you were saying 37 degrees and that's why those rivers yeah. are coming up is because there's some melt happening so yeah i'm sure you were out and about today uh up there and down towards fairbanks or up towards Fairbanks, I should say. And yeah, I was pretty much just in a regular shirt today. You know, yeah. but, uh, it was almost shorts and flip-flop weather. You know, we're getting yeah, pretty... Felt, felt almost tropical. It did, <laughs> for us anyway. You know, yeah. considering we're used to being in those nasties, which I'm not going to say over the air because I do not want them brought here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ah, you were there too. Okay, yeah, it was pretty bombing. I mean... It's uh, definitely odd. We're having some odd weather here right now. And, um, you know, I was talking to uh, uh, one of the ones that uh, keeps an eye on uh, the Tanana there in Ninana. Um, 
this morning, early this morning. And with that rising of nine feet, they're still trying to figure out, you know, what if it was, if it was the temperature rise right now, or even if it went into maybe, you know, we got an ice dam somewhere that kind of, uh, kind of broke loose and then piled up and, you know, basically the back pressure's coming at us, but, right. uh, definitely be careful out there if you're spending time out on the ice or near the rivers um you know there's generally no way out of it uh, oh my goodness okay uh just saw a post there from karen uh definitely all our love goes out to her okay she's okay uh i was kind of wondering about that um or uh, uh I'll go ahead and throw that out there. Uh, Miss Dolly from our post office here uh, got on some of the slippery roads today and uh, her car flipped, but she's okay from what Karen says out there. So definitely uh, lots of love out to her. Be careful out there. Um, I drove home later this evening and I could tell, you know, the moisture on the road. Uh, it is sanded. Uh Okay right here. See, it doesn't even have to be far out of town. Um, I driving back from Fairbanks, both me and, and Susie, uh, today had noticed that, um, they'd been sanding and slagging in anticipation right now of, uh, it getting moist and then the freeze up of them making sure that they, uh, you know, get some sort of traction on the road. So, yeah, it was almost too much sand. Uh, matter of fact, Susie brought that up earlier. Um, yeah, it's real easy to get yourself caught up in a drift corner. Yeah. Um, all righty. Since, uh, any other questions for Kevin while we got him on the line before we, uh, move on to our next subject here? Well, I'm glad, I'm glad the person was okay and everything. It does sound pretty, pretty slick yeah. out there. So. Definitely. It is definitely, um, definitely slick. Ah, you got a shout out. Super awesome fish talk. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Oh, I, I forgot to celebrity out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad people are at least some people are enjoying it, so that makes me happy. But it does. I forgot I, to I, to mention one thing about rainbows too is that you know I said that most of the ones above the Alaska Range or north of the Alaska Range are sterile. Well, there's been rumors that there's been a few in the early days of stocking before they were sterile that got loose and created their own little populations that are self-sustaining. Okay. There's actually if you guys are familiar with um, the Cheney lakes in Cantwell, supposedly there's gigantic rainbows in the, those private lakes that actually spawn and, and, um, and are a self-sustaining population. So maybe okay. someday we'll have salmon throughout the Nunana and throughout the, the right. China. Or whatever I actually, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I've seen them from the air. Um, so I do know what you're talking about out there. And, you know, like I've, like I told you before, we've got, I've got a couple spots that I'd, like you to check out that are around here that are definitely big enough to welcome, you know, the habitats of all the fish. And, uh, you know, a lot of people around here would really like to know what we got going on around here, you know, and see if we do have that sort of population and it may turn into something good for you, you know, yeah. to, uh, learn about. Absolutely. Well, I'm always up for wetting a line or dropping the drone, into a lake or something. If we want to look around, just let me know. So. We, we do. We, uh, I got some, we got some hiders around here that, uh, 
Uh, we keep to us Anderson folk. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, you probably shouldn't share them with me then either. Yeah, definitely keep them to yourself. I think, I think we're safe with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty closed mouth, but yeah, you never know. You know, you know is probably you know your other half in the dog. And <laughs> there we go. We're safe. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, my wife won't care at all because she's not that interested in fish, and the dog can't talk, so we're good. Uh, see, you just got a huge blessing from Miss Karen out there that says Kevin can be in the fold. Now, wow. you, you get that kind of blessing, you must be doing all right, let me tell you. Awesome. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> well, great. Any other questions, uh, you're welcome to call in and come on live if you like. The uh, app is open. I do have the call in line open. And also the pulse line is open and uh, definitely uh, uh, it's always great to have you on the show. And uh, we definitely appreciate having you as a part of our Anderson family and look forward to all the good stuff in the future, you know? Yeah. That's uh, very exciting. And, and thanks I, for, you know, kind of including me in a, a small way in your guys' yeah. great town. No, it's a wonderful thing. And I am definitely going to have to twist your arm to teach me how to do this fly fishing thing. So sure. I'll uh, be glad to, to show you the, the ropes. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about it. And I'm sure there's uh, going to be a few more that would love to uh, get in on it. And uh, right we do, we've got such a wonderful town here. Oh, see, boy, you are in the fold. Because uh, <laughs> Miss Karen would love to learn too. I, I think we'll, definitely get a get together you know Great. we're gonna have to do a fly fishing clinic sounds like it, fun. Uh, I'm, I'm down for that i'm definitely <laughs> down for that you know <laughs> yes it will be fun see yeah it's definitely uh let's see karen just posted she's had the run the rod nearly 20 years and never a wet line <laughs> oh no <laughs> you know what karen you're probably sitting on a pole that's worth a fortune <laughs> yeah that uh, could be if it's like a bamboo a classic bamboo fly rod or something those are collector items that's what i'm saying you never know uh, it was a wedding present awesome well we'll uh we'll get some use out of it uh we'll we'll get you out there fly fishing you can come out there with me and miss Susie and uh and uh, learn how to do this fly fishing thing. Uh, we can definitely do that. All right. Yep, definitely sounds good. Anyone else have any questions out there? Um, it's been a great talk. I, I love our fish talk, and I know a lot of people do too, especially, you know, and I get a lot of comments on the side of, uh, you know, just thinking, uh, you know, people like you that are in our world that uh, take care of our ecology, especially, you know, uh, in Alaska. Um, it's a big deal to us. You know, this is our way of life. Um, this is, you know, not only is it uh, there for, you know, subsistence, it's, uh, it's there for grandkids and, um, you know, generations to come. And that thing is, you know, a lot of things have fallen away and by the wayside. And uh, we're just proud to have you, uh, definitely have you a part of our family here. And oh, thank thanks. you, Karen. Yes, it was just posted. You are one of the unsung heroes. Well, I appreciate that. Hopefully, you know, that's the goal is to try to 
help out a little bit and make sure those fish populations are around for a long time. So, yeah, definitely. Like I said, we got a lot of generations ahead of us and, um, uh, we appreciate everything you do for, uh, for us around here in Alaska. All righty. Let's give one more shout out there. Anyone else have any questions? Um, you're welcome to jump on live right now. I'm not scared. I'll have you on here <laughs> and I'm sure Kevin isn't scared either. And uh, let's see here. I'm going to go ahead and give it another minute here. All right. Uh, they're going to make me throw out the crickets again. You know, I'm having <laughs> fun with the crickets. You know that, right? <laughs> when question and answer time comes to an end, guess what finds what what finds us here at the Pulse? There they are. <laughs> also good to fish with. <laughs> That's true. Definitely. All righty, Kevin. Thank you once again for uh, such a great, uh, great talk you gave tonight and looking for forward to more in the future. All right. One more time. Anyone else got any questions out there before we get this thing rolling? I appreciate that, Brad. And hopefully we can do it again next week. Let's talk about Pike. If that sounds good. Hey, that sounds good to me. Does everyone sound good with that? I'm sure we're, uh, Sure, everyone's good with that, for sure. <laughs> All right. Yep. See, you got a thumbs up again. Boy, I tell you, Excellent. you are hot to trot on this line. <laughs> <laughs> and, All right, guys. Well, I'll, I'll let you go here, and thanks so much for having me on again. All righty. Thanks again, Kevin. Appreciate you getting on with us tonight, and uh, lots of love to you and your family. Happy holidays to you. Thank you. Happy holidays as well. Talk to you later. All right. And let's see, there's the big shout out and applause for Kevin. All right. <laughs> Kevin, thank you for being on again tonight. Uh, as always, we do appreciate you and everyone here uh, definitely does. It's uh, great that we get to learn this kind of stuff. It's almost like going to school, but uh, funner. And uh, like I said earlier, be careful out there with our temperatures rising right now. Ice safety is definitely at the top of the list. Uh, make sure that you are keeping an eye on your children. Um, you know, the young ones out there, uh, we sure as heck don't want any catastrophes happening here in town. Um, we did, like I said, uh, like I brought up earlier, currently this morning, the river has risen, the Tanana has risen nine feet as of this morning. And of course, that's going to push back a little here into our uh, Tanana has rose nine feet up in the Nana. And that's gonna, of course going to push back on uh, the Nana here, the Nana coming through town here. Um, I was out there earlier today. I did uh, notice a little, a little bit of overflow out there. Um, keep that in mind. Uh, be safe. Definitely, if you do have a uh, basement, check it. Make sure your pumps are working. Uh, I definitely have a little gurgler down there, and my pump is kicked on and uh, keeping me nice and dry down there. Uh, it's one thing to uh, definitely, you sure as heck don't want to come home to a flooded house. Um, so keep an eye on that. All right. Also, uh, big to-dos this last weekend. Uh, we did have uh, uh, 
our fine Anderson fire department uh, come through town for the holidays with fire trucks in Santa and uh, all lit up. If you uh, get a chance, take a look at the Pulse page. I uh, I did post a video up there, and I'm really glad I did. Uh, that was shared uh, an amazing amount of times, and um, you know it just makes us one more reason that we we love our little community here. Lots of love coming out of there. Uh, thank you to, of course, Mayor Thompson, and to uh, Chief Scott out there and everyone involved. Uh, I'm sure it went uh, all the way through to our county office there, uh, Miss Trista down there, and uh, anyone, everyone that uh, had to do with our our little happy holiday roundabout uh, from EMS. Thank you very much. Um, it's most appreciative. Holidays are definitely here. Um, we've had some amazing things happen in Anderson to include that, uh, you know, our EMS coming through town with Santa and uh, dropping by gifts to the children. One more thing we have to be thankful for. And, uh, and uh, it's just a wonderful place to be. We got a lot of people to thank out there, you know. I, for one, uh, even sent a, uh, you know, made sure that uh, our uh, our Alaska waste person that picks up our garbage here, rain, hail, sleet, or snow, got a little something, and uh, I hope they have a, you know, I've never met them personally. Um, I know it's generally the same driver every time that comes through and uh, in the afternoon, and I'm not here. But uh, there's there's so many people that we should be thankful to have around us. Um, and uh, keep up with that holiday spirit as I post out there, you know, or, or get out there on the air. Um, we have we have a lot of things to be grateful for. And uh, always remember those uh, those people that are here in the community, whether you're here in Anderson, Healy, you know, or Ninana, the ones that are alone for the holidays, give a shout out to them, give them a call, you know, send them an email if you have to, but uh, don't let them be alone for the holidays. There's plenty of love to go around. Alrighty. Uh, next thing I was going to bring up, uh, I told you I wanted to talk about our, our COVID numbers a little later here in the show. Uh, currently, from December 8th through the 21st, uh, we've accumulated 12 new cases here in the Denali area for a total of 59. Um, so it is popping up around there. Uh, just a reminder that after the first of the year, uh, we will have testing in Anderson again. Um, it was noted that uh, it'll be after the holidays and we will get some testing uh, back going here. Numbers for the day, there was uh, 429 new cases here in Alaska, and uh, they did report 10 new deaths today. So it's definitely on the rise out there. Something that we, you know, definitely need to be careful of. Uh, like I say on the shows, in previous shows, I'm uh, susceptible to a lot of things. Uh, since I've had pneumonia, and uh, I'm one of those that is definitely going to try and uh, stay away from that if I can. Also, uh, it was announced yesterday 
that the uh, the second COVID-19 vaccine has arrived here in Alaska, uh, which is the Moderna. Uh, the rollout is currently um, 26,800 doses of Moderna uh, that has entered here in Alaska. So now no, not only do we have the Pfizer, but also the Moderna. I know there has been some current concerns out there with some of the adverse reactions. Um, if you do get the shot out there, you know, uh, if you have some concerns, you may want to talk to, you know, your your health professional about this. Uh, like I said, uh, 26,800 doses of Moderna has arrived here in Alaska. In addition to that, we've got another 35,100 doses of the uh, Pfizer vaccine here. So basically, we have enough vaccinations to do about 62,000 people. Uh, The second doses for both vaccines are scheduled to come here in January. And uh, it was noted that uh, while both vaccines, you know, must be kept cold, the Moderna vaccine requires less extreme conditions. Uh, with a shipping at uh, four below zero, um, you know, thawing at refrigerator temperature for 30 days and storing at room temperature for up to 12 hours. So the Moderna does have uh, does have some definite pluses over the Pfizer right now, and uh, of course uh, we're waiting to see how that uh, rolls out here. Yes, that is correct. That's only about 10% of our population. Uh, Current population is just under 700,000 here in um, Alaska. And uh, I do know that it did go out to EMS and, uh, of course, to our frontline workers, EMS, and to our uh, wonderful uh, people of the troopers that keep us safe out there. Um, It's uh, being distributed to... Uh, high, uh, let's see here. I did see a note on this that it's uh, being distributed to uh, two folks that are in dire need right now at the top of the list. Um, with numbers like we're getting right now, we did have a low the last week. Of course, uh, I was surprised to see that, um, that we dropped off a little bit, which is a good thing. But, of course, I think uh, we may be testing a little less right now with the holidays. And um, it's just one thing to definitely be careful of. Uh, Ten new deaths in Alaska is just uh, ten too many right now. So definitely be careful out there. I notice I've brought this up on the show a few times, and um, we've, we've talked about it. We've talked about getting the shot. We've talked about not getting the shot. Um, we've talked about, uh, you know, what things are privileges and what things are right. Um, you know, it's all going to come down to you, you know, how you feel about it. Um, I'm one of the ones that of course have had nothing, but basically, you know, my normal boosters growing up and tetanus shots through the years. Um, I'm even kind of worried about getting a flu shot and pneumonia shot, um, I'm scared of reactions. Uh, it's bad enough that uh, 
You know, I, I can't even get stand getting sick. I'm one of those ones that when I get sick, it hits me hard and I am down for the count. Um, so I'm one of those that uh, you definitely am careful about uh, what I do out there. Uh, another thing, uh, school is out right now uh, for the holiday break. And uh, by the way, Karen, drove by this afternoon and saw some kids out there out at the uh, ball field in your uh, your course that you got built. Yep, definitely. Um, sure, you're going to see some new tracks out there. <laughs> now, if we could just get some temps and some decent snow on the ground, I'm sure you're going to build that thing up to be a monster. Uh, definitely, it's going to be a monster. I'm, uh, I did take a, a picture of it today to let you know, so I'm kind of doing, doing pictures in phases for it. Uh, yeah, you need like five feet. Well, you never know with, uh, with these warming temperatures, you know, the, the build could happen. You know, here we are. It's, uh, was it here? Eight o'clock at night. We're sitting at 25 degrees and, uh, I'm actually baking. I am, I am cooking here in the studio right now. Um, yeah, it's definitely warm. <laughs> um, yeah, for those that didn't know, I was the one over the, over the weekend that I had, um, one of my, uh, location valves take a dump on my boiler system and, uh, was able to locate it since, uh, so many people have grown up here and I do mean my house they were able to point me in the right direction and find it but uh i'm uh i've i did pick up the part and uh gonna get ready to uh get it swapped out but i had one yeah there was a lot of uh there was a lot of feedback on that one <laughs> yeah it was pretty awesome and yes i did find stuff down there <laughs> um yeah uh so currently right now it's on uh uh it's on the one side of the house that happens to be where our master's at so i have two choices it's uh wide open or yeah not doing anything yeah we both woke up to uh uh sunday morning um seeing our breath so uh <laughs> it was a little chilly on the one side of the house <laughs> But I did get the part, so now I just need some. Uh, I'm gonna. I've put out some feelers for it to get it swapped out. I can wrench on anything, but you put a torch in my hand trying to sweat pipes, and you know, get you know what to get with that with me. You get something that is gonna leak. I'll just throw it out there. I am not one to to even think about it. I uh, I am the most horrible. When it comes to sweating pipes and uh, and soldering pipes, he, he, you might as well give me a, a freaking welder. I'd have better luck at it. Uh, I can throw, like I said, I can wrench on anything, but uh, me and sweating pipes, it just does not work. Now, if my boy was here, he's like me. He can do everything and he can do those kind of repairs. But uh, I'm not real good at it. But Sunday morning was definitely a surprise to wake up and sit up in bed and be able to see your breath in there. It did get a little chilly 
kind of quick. <laughs> and of course, guess what? I've got the window open in there right now, just cooling it down because it did get a little hot. It's kind of uh, the valve is setting at about a, a three quarter open right now. And before I get it replaced, I'm kind of afraid to shut that thing down uh, and not be able to reopen it again. But alrighty, back to uh, like I said, Moderna shot is here. We've talked about uh, we've talked about it. Um, I do know some people that have gotten COVID in the lower forty eight that are very dear to me and friends, and I've already lost friends to it. So be careful out there. Um, it's definitely something that uh, you don't want to mess with. Um, there's news all over and that's the thing. You don't know what to believe and whatnot. You can go through six different news channels and everyone's throwing out different garbage and crap at the same time right now. What to believe? I don't know. All I know is, you know, now, of course, they're saying there's a new strain out there. Um, is it stronger? Is it weaker? All I know is that it moves faster. Well, that doesn't say much. I mean, pretty much if you had kids in your lifetime, you know, any sickness moves fast, you know, of course they come home with a cold and guess what you have 24 hours later and the rest of the family, it's just how it moves around. So anything like this, of course, and now they're saying it's getting faster. Well, it's, uh, definitely, uh, definitely, you know, something to be concerned about. Um, with the way that, uh, you know, I notice it's having a huge impact, of course, on all our communities uh, in the area, you know, small communities, large communities, schools, uh, teachers, um, everyone that has to deal with this. Uh, I would have never thought we'd be waking up to, you know, having to wear a mask everywhere we go. Um, granted, uh, it's, you know, we have not been thrown out to mandates. We have in the past, you know, certain hunker downs, uh, travel restrictions, that sort of thing. At the rate this thing's going, though, you know what? It's going to keep moving until it's through. I don't think that uh, we could catch up with vaccinations fast enough. I pray that's not true. Um, I do hope that, uh, you know, we we are careful especially around our elderly and the uh, ones that, uh, you know, are not so lucky to have a, you know, strong immune system. Um, like I said, I, for myself, am, am very careful. Uh, I do spend my time with people. You know, I'm not going to shut my life down to it. Um, we still have to live. And, uh, you know, um, whether it's talking to someone or whether it's just seeing someone and giving a wave, you know, showing up to the corner store just to have coffee, you know, just to say hi, you know, we still need that physical contact um, of some sort. And that's what uh, I've talked about on the air lately is, you know, the, the reactions that we're having our, our children, whether they're locked down or back to brick and mortar, or, you know, we're, we're doing, um, you know, we, we've got a lot of things to consider. Uh, 
children need interaction for growth. Of course, that's socially and uh, also just learning, you know, what's out there in life. And it's, it's going to take a huge impact on, uh, on what we're doing right now. Um, look, at, look at where we're at financially in uh, the state right now. Um, we have a lot, thankfully, our small businesses, uh, I do know a few that have taken a hard hit, um, especially this summer. Uh, we, we lost our cash cow this year. And our cash cow, of course, is as uh, people coming in to our towns to visit Alaska and, uh, you know, help us out. That's our economy. Um, we do have, uh, of course, we are self, you know, we do have a lot of self-sustainability here in Alaska. But it definitely goes towards to helping our small communities, whether you're sitting in, uh, you know, Ninana selling, you know, homemade Alaskan goods to, you know, seeing the buses come through town to where they stop and unload and hit your restaurant to the people that camp out that uh, hit our little stores. You know, we, we've got uh, we took a hard hit this last summer with. Uh, losing you know losing our our uh, vacation people out there i know uh it's kind of mixed feelings out there um where there's a lot of us that are of course to ourself and uh you know we enjoy living that way but uh there's a lot of alaska that depends on that um from our fisheries this year you know to coming into town how many boats have we turned away with COVID to, you know, our seasonal workers, to what's happening on in the oil fields right now. You know, it's a, it's a big, uh, big impact. Um, you know, I'm not for one governor or one senator or one this or one that, but it's definitely one of those things that, uh, you know, when your voice gets out there, it does get heard. You know, we've, uh, we've got a lot of, uh, we still have a lot of hurdles to go over, you know, here in Alaska, you know, there's, uh, like I said, I'm not the most political person in the world. I do, uh, I do have my views. My views are, you know, the person for the state needs to do good for the people and not only for the state, but for the people, you know, the people that need to be heard, uh, those small communities that need help, with their volunteer fire departments, um, you know, to schools to better our children's learning ability. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we take for granted and be complacent on that. Uh, we have a lot of things going on in the background that not a lot of us think about. And it, it does come down to, you know, of course we, we always talk about raising taxes and lowering taxes and, you know, uh, things going on here and there. Granted, those things contribute to, you know, what we have going in our areas. I'm, I'm one for, of course, I, I hate taxes any way you look at it, you know. But I do see some of the good that it goes to. I see that it goes towards our schooling, you know, to our kids, to, you know, our people in our county building, our DMV, 
you know, uh, our mayor that takes care of all the messy garbage paperwork in the background that we never see, you know, that's why it's important to, you know, be a part of your community. Um, we've, we've talked about it before. I know several people, you know, um, that have spent their time in those seats and, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the most rewarding thing in the world, but, uh, they are there for us, you know, and that's why I've been talking about city council and just know what's going on in your community. You know, and if you have something, make sure that you uh, definitely want to, you know, get out to them. It's important. It's important to our community. It's important to our growth. It's important to just our economy in our little community. You know, it's what keeps the sewer going. It's what keeps the community going. It's what... uh, keeps the love going around of the fire truck coming through, you know, blaring Christmas music with lights on it and Santa and stopping to see our children and be in that part. There is a lot that uh, we should be thankful for, you know, uh, there's a lot of things out there. Granted, we have our hard times. I've had my share of them. My last year and a half has not been good. I'm shaking my head right now because it has not been good. I've, uh, you know, of course, I've brought up on the air that I'm having difficulties with my father right now. And, you know, there's bumps in the road that you're going to hit. But there's a lot of things we can fix on that road, too. You know, um, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've thrown out my father's sayings here a lot lately because those are things that come to mind and uh, have been definitely a part of my life. Uh, You know, one of them don't, don't turn your back on someone, you know, you don't want it done to you. You know, there's uh, especially people that are trying to help themselves, you know, the other thing, you know, uh, and try and remember this. You don't inspire others by being perfect. You inspire them by how you deal with your own imperfections. There's a lot of things that we take for granted in life out there. You know, just don't get complacent and forget about the little things that got you there and the people, you know. Um, there's people that we walk by every day it just says, uh, you know, I say this, I'm going to say it again. Just a smile, just a wave, you know, could change their day. You know, you never know what kind of battles they're fighting, but uh, you could definitely change that. All right, I've thrown that out there, and uh, I've gotten my, my uh, say in. Uh, other thing is, of course, everyone's expecting, you know, this... Uh, this COVID relief check that's coming out. Um, I've, uh, you know, I believe people need it out there. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for putting up there. The little things can make all the difference. Definitely can. You know, I was, uh, I was, there was, I got a bunch of comments today. Uh, coming out uh, to the Pulse line today, both to in emails 
you know, wanting to talk about this COVID relief act that's out there. And, uh, you know, I, I'll throw my two cents out there and, uh, I'm, uh, I'm one for, okay. So now we've got a relief that's $600 per person. Okay. We've got people that are behind months and months on rent, trying to make it on food, businesses shutting down. And part of this Relief Act, we have billions going to other countries, you know, of tax dollars that came in that built these reliefs. And um, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm a little shocked right now. I'm real shocked that we're almost putting, you know, other countries in front of what's going on here and what's taken down you know, those people of the communities. It's uh, something to think about, you know. Not everyone is lucky enough to have a job that is, uh, what do they call it, uh, essential, okay? You know, we have a lot of people that are just dying on the vine right now as to not being essential workers, you know. So there's, you know, uh, that goes along with thinking about those people, those family, that family, that those friends, you know, those acquaintances. We don't know what kind of battles they're going through, you know. Uh, those of us that are called essential are uh, just lucky to keep going right now. We've definitely taken a hit here in Alaska. And uh, like I said, there's uh, there's no amount of kindness that uh, you can put out there that wouldn't make a difference. All righty. I've uh, pretty much thrown that uh, out there. Like I said, everyone has their own thoughts and processes of what's going on in the world right now. But if it's one thing I am going to say, don't forget about those people around you because we don't, we don't know what kind of, uh, what kind of battles they're going through right now. All righty. I think I've uh, kind of exhausted that one a little bit. Anyone else have anything they'd like to throw out on the pulse right now? I enjoy hosting this show and I really enjoy having all you out there uh, supporting the show. If there's anything you'd like to get out there, I'm going to go ahead and open the floor up right now. The, uh, Calling line on the app is open, and also the pulse line is open here. I can throw that number out on the screen. And don't be scared to bring anything up. You know, this is what this is here for. This is why I created, you know, this show and uh, for our community. You know, it's to get things out there and uh, talk about not just bad things that are going on in our area, but all the good things. And uh, we do have the holidays approaching. Like I said, Christmas is around the corner. It is the 22nd today, three days away from Christmas. I, uh, I hope you all got uh, everything together that you need. You're welcome to call in right now. Like I said, uh, the lines are open. Uh, I did put the pulse line, the direct line here on the screen and also the apps open. And uh, we can pretty much uh, 
see if anyone else has anything before I slowly make my exit here. Like I said, you guys got something to talk about. I can stay here all night. I enjoy hearing from you. I enjoy, uh, you know, being in touch with all of you. I see a bunch of uh, familiar faces that are on the show tonight and uh, a lot that are new tonight. And I hope you uh, you definitely uh, keep uh, coming back to the show. Tonight will be the last show. We will not be having a Thursday show this week. Um, of course, that is Christmas Eve. And uh, I will most likely have a show on Sunday, just to let you know. Keep your eyes out on the Pulse page and the Anderson page. I will uh, throw it out there. Generally, when I throw the impromptu shows out there, I have them at 6 o'clock as opposed to 6.30 on the standard Tuesday and Thursday show. Um, it's wonderful to have you all on there and uh, appreciate your feedback. Once again, like I said, anything you want to throw out on this show, keep me informed. You know, if you want to, I have a lot that comes in on email. I'll put that email up in the chat box right now that you can send out there. You can also get a hold of me, of course, on the Pulse page on Facebook and on the Anderson page. Shoot me a line. Shoot me a instant message, you know. Also, get the word out there that we are here. Pulse ain't going anywhere, you know. Since uh, we've lost the Anderson Dispatch, um, this is a great place to where we can all meet and greet. Uh, the last show we had when we had uh, a few of you on live, remember, I can put up to nine people on the air at one time. It's always great to hear you guys uh, come on the show and uh, it's really enjoyable. I also get a lot of comments about that. So like I said, next show will be Sunday. Uh, I will put out there that it will be Sunday at six o'clock and I hope you all join me. Also invite friends and neighbors to join the Pulse page and uh, make sure if you are on the Podbean map tonight, uh, make sure you follow the show. Uh, I know it gives you updates when things are coming out. And uh, it's that time of year. Enjoy family. Enjoy friends. Show a lot of love out there. Uh, just another reminder, um, the, uh, the Christmas Eve um, service will be at uh, North Star Community Church here on the corner of Aspen in Anderson and it will be at 5.30. I hope to see you there. I hope to see uh, a lot of people there just uh, for the support and just to be able to, uh, um, just to see everything and see everyone and, you know, just put that smile out just to say hi. Uh, let's see, also we got to throw that out. Uh, Kevin, another shout out for you, another great fish talk and, um, it's wonderful to be here. I'm glad to be your host. Uh, I know sometimes I ramble, but I hope you enjoy the show. And like I said, get those words out, you know, uh, to me if you want to uh, throw anything out there. I have a couple songs that I'll close with. I hope you enjoy the music that I've been playing lately. And, uh, you know, like I said, show a lot of love out there. 
Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you and your family out there. And uh, thank you for being a part of our community and a part of the Pulse. So this is Denali Burrow Brett. I am signing off tonight and hope to see you on Sunday. Enjoy the music tonight. Uh, like I said, I got a couple tunes I'm throwing on on the way out. Love you all. Thanks for being there. Have a great night.
reeling like a merry-go-round. Said Santa to a boy child, what have you been longing for? All I want for Christmas is a rock and roll electric guitar. And then away went Rudolph, whizzing like a shooting star. Run, run, Rudolph, Santa lets you make it in town. Santa make him hurry, tell him he can take the freeway down. Run, run, Rudolph, reeling like a merry-go-round. Run, run, Rudolph, I'm reeling like a merry-go-round. 